welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show from the Labatt Blue Studio. Labatt Blue and Labatt Blue Light. Bleed blue and white, drink blue and light. And don't forget to try the new Labatt Blue Light Seltzer Variety Pack. Available at retailers throughout Pennsylvania. And welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I'm Jim Galanti. I'm with Ross Tucker. And it's time for Ask Ross. Ross, this is a very important Ask Ross segment. Ask me why. Why? Let me tell you. Glad you asked, Ross. It's mid-February, which means we're not far from March, which means spring. We're now switching over from the KSN sweatshirt to the KSN polo, okay? Oh, big. It is. Reason for optimism. Spring is around the corner. We're making the transition to the polo. So are you ready for your questions? Always love these questions. All right, let's start with Steve in Columbia, PA, who says, Ross, first item, I'll pick up the check for Wings and Miller Lite pitchers any Tuesday night at the Windrift this summer. And he says he's totally serious. Does that hit home for you? Yes. So that is, dude, what's this guy's name? Steve, and he says he's from Columbia, PA. Okay, so Columbia's right there on the Susquehanna River, and uh, we actually lost to them two years in high school. Really bothers me. That should never have happened, but whatever. Sophomore and junior year. But that is, uh, so Jim, I grew up, especially in college and post-college, Tuesday night was wing night at the Windrift, which is a beach bar in Avalon, New Jersey, and... Honestly, I couldn't have possibly had more fun on those nights. It was like all-you-can-eat wings, and I can't remember what the pictures of Miller Lite were. I would get there, Jim, at four, like two hours before the band started. I wanted the best table. We were there for Fourth of July week. You know, this is when we were young, and oh, man, that is a great reference by that dude. Yes, I would love to do that. Most importantly, how are the wings? Good. Good. I think they were good. Honestly, I don't remember that much, but uh, <laughs> for multiple reasons, <laughs> but, but they were good. Really good. You know, it was always that gray area, Jim, where it's like the wings are good. I want to keep eating them, but also there's girls here now and I'm 315 pounds and, and maybe just like crushing 28 more wings in front of them isn't the best move. So I always, that's the other reason why I got there so early to try to eat the wings before the girls got there. I could just see that Ross at his table. Let's see. Wings, girls, wings. (laughs) Uh, Hopefully you made the right decision. I'll leave it at that. Steve actually has a question for you though. He said last week, Uh, He says, you said last week, Penn State is not at the elite level at defensive uh, tackle and quarterback. I agree. So why have they, uh, Sean Clifford, already been listed as the quarterback for 2022? Don't get me wrong. I love Sean, and he's given his all, but it ain't good enough, and it all doesn't certainly fall on him. Is it time to turn the page, even if we sacrifice 2022, to get to where we hope to be in 23 and beyond. 
you know, um, I think I think you have to have Sean Clifford as the returning starter. You have to list him as such. It would be awkward if you said you're opening up a competition or that, you know, we'll see who the starter is. I actually think that would be awkward for everybody involved. That said, Jim, if Christian Veyu continues to make progress or Drew, I forget, Aller or Alar? Al- I'm going with Aller. I believe that's Aller. the way he if said Drew it Aller on one of the tapes. is what people say he is, I do think Franklin will be open to benching Clifford at some point this year if Clifford struggles. It's going to depend on how those other young guys come along and then how Clifford plays. I think Clifford deserves to be the guy starting. He deserves to go out there that first game. But I think that Franklin is going to be uh, aggressive and not hesitate to swap him out if, if Clifford struggles. But I don't, think you annou- I don't think it helps anybody to announce that now or to say there's a competition or anything like that. And especially with the schedule being front-loaded in a way, they're on the road at Purdue, and then I believe it's their third game, they're on the road at Auburn. That's a pretty tough way to throw, say, a true freshman in. I think you have to start with the veteran, because you could always switch from the veteran to the youngster. It's a little harder to do it the other way. Uh, Let's go to Michael and Lidditz, who says, Ross... Congratulations on your rapid ascension in the industry. Seems like you had a vision for yourself, a strong work ethic, and it looks to be paying off. Can't wait to see you as a number one color color commentator for a network someday. I will second that, by the way. You do a great job, Ross. Here's Michael's question. Why are coaches slash media enamored by a recruits or draft picks 40 time? Is it really relevant? Seems like maybe for a running back or wide receiver, but not for an offensive lineman or a defensive end. Is it just football tradition at all levels, or is there something that's truly telling about a player based on his 40 time? Well, it's a speed game, and you want as much speed as possible at every position. I would argue that the bigger the player the less important the 40-yard dash is. So it's probably most important for like a cornerback and least important for an offensive lineman. So it almost works in inverse order. But if you have an offensive lineman that can really run, he's usually probably a pretty good athlete, right? He's, He's probably pretty explosive and a pretty good athlete, which is what you're looking for. And certainly... On defense, especially, you want guys that can run. You want uh, Adafe Owe. You want Micah Parsons. I think we've seen what their rare speed can bring to the table. And there's a reason why the NFL drafts those guys so high. If you're really fast in the 40-yard, you're probably also pretty fast going 10 yards or 20 yards at a time, too. Uh, let's, uh, let's go to Jimmy in Forest City who says, uh, Ross and Jim, you guys are a great team and you really support us Penn State fans. 
where I work, adaptability is a core competency. I see an adaptability problem at Penn State. We're slow to implement an advantageous name image likeness plan. We were slow this year to nab some early transfer portal gems. When Sean Clifford got hurt against Iowa, we could not adjust. And lost when Illinois was running the ball on us, we could not adjust. When several starters declared for the NFL draft, we could not adjust for the outback ball because a couple good first-year players were already at their redshirt limit. Do you think adaptability is a weakness for Franklin? And do you think the other coaches are challenging him? Um, I don't know enough about the name, image, and likeness part of it, Jim. Is, is Penn State behind in that area is like what what do you know about that part of it well what i know is there's other schools at texas a&m is the extreme example they've already set up where name penn state has that agreement now where players jerseys you could buy a number 14 sean clifford jersey with clifford's name on it which was probably the intent of name image and likeness but some schools like Texas A&M and there are several others who what they've done is they've grouped alums with a lot of money. They pool their money and then they use that to, as an inducement for players. It's like, OK, Texas A&M had the number one recruiting class this year because allegedly they put out about twenty five million dollars to offer these kids. And it doesn't matter which kid they get. I believe the technical rule in name, image, and likeness is you can't say, hey, kid, I'll give you $5 million if you come to Texas A&M. However, it just so happens they have that those millions of dollars available. So if a kid does go there, he knows he's going to get it. Perhaps well, so it's so the interesting to the me. law, but not the actual Yeah, rules. but I, I, I had always been told that it was not supposed to be an inducement to get them to attend, um, that that was supposed to be illegal. But I always thought this would happen because how do you differentiate? Right. They can't. And plus, the NCAA is gun-shy. They got their butt kicked in court, okay? I don't think the NCAA is any position in any position to challenge anybody, and I think these schools know it. And so, you know, I think... So we're blaming Franklin for that? I mean, I, I don't know. That, that one, I, I don't know enough about that. And in terms of the adaptability, I don't know. I mean, they were able to get the Cornell kid that everybody wanted. They were able to get, uh, last year, Eric Wilson. They were able to get the wide receiver from Western Kentucky. I don't know. They got Eva Katie. I don't know that I can criticize them for that part of it. Um, I think... I think the rule, I think the bowl game criticism is probably fair. However, how many of those guys were gonna take are gonna take that fifth year anyway? Would be my question. Uh, but I think the I think the bowl game having maxed those guys out at four and then not being able to use them without burning a red shirt when these other guys said they're not gonna play, I actually think that is a fair critique. I think also, just based on what he said, I think James Franklin was a little blindsided by those players choosing not to play in the bowl game and burning their red shirt. 
um, prior to the announcement, he talked and ter- he made it sound like they were going to play. Where he said, well, if it were just one game them playing like the old rules, that's very different than today where it's the difference of playing four to five games. So it sounded like he expected them to play so that when they didn't, I, I suspect... Who are we talking about here? Bit, uh, the, the linebackers uh, like uh, uh, Kobe King and... Uh, Budden? But yeah, I think those were. The so two. I didn't realize that those guys said they weren't going to play. Right. They they made the decision. You know, he Franklin always says he talks to the players about this decision in their families, and apparently the decision was they decided those players didn't want to burn their red shirts. Interesting. Okay, I thought he was talking about the decision of like. Ellis Brooks and Brandon Smith not to play in the bowl game. Uh, no, well, it was those guys making that decision which caused the issue at linebacker where they were short. And got it. His take is James Franklin wasn't prepared for those guys to say they weren't going to play in the bowl game, so he was left a little bit short-handed. All right, Ross, that is it for our Ash Ross segment. We'll name our winner in quarter four when Andy Shea gets back. Stay tuned for that. This is where the temperatures are unkind. This is where water freezes in the blink of an eye. This is where the wind bites harder than a mid-ice cross check. This is where the beer is always on ice. This is Labatt hockey, played the way Mother Nature intended. Labatt Blue is proud to support pond hockey and all the hardy souls that like to play it cool. This is Labatt Hockey. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York.